our 14th Vacation Bible School since I've been your pastor. And um, it's one of the, I believe, on our church calendar, I believe it's one of the three most important weeks that we set aside on our save the date at the uh, beginning of the year that you get. And I've mentioned this before, but I, it bears repeating. Uh, we do a missions conference the last week of April. And that is to give us, Lord willing, a vision for souls around the world. Amen? And by the way, church family, I, I think... You do a phenomenal job at that, and I mean that in the fact that I've said many times there are pastors who love missions and missionaries, but if people don't give, it doesn't really amount to very much. It amounts to something, but not as much as it could. And so we have a missions conference set aside to give us a, a burden across the world, if we could say. But then we have Vacation Bible School, the, usually the last week of July, and that is to give us not only a burden for souls around the world, but to give us a burden for souls across the street. You know, we don't want to be just a church that cares about souls in Thailand, we want to be a, a church that cares about souls in Jackson. And so... Missions Conference, Vacation Bible School, and then we do Revival Meeting in the fall. You say, what is Revival Meeting? That is to give us a fresh view of God in our own lives. Revival Meeting shakes us from complacency, stirs the embers of our hearts in love for God and consecration to God and service to God. And one of the main things that revival... By the way, you don't need a revival meeting to do this, but we have it on the calendar specifically is to adjust our priorities back to the Bible. The biblical priorities. May I say as your pastor... I want to encourage you, block out those weeks for God. Don't miss. They're set apart for the cause of Christ and the edification and growth of God's people. Don't let good things creep in and rob you of the best things. Today's title is, What is it in life that really matters. You know, when you get to the end of life, and I, I know uh, some of you, obviously, you're, you're our octogenarians, you're, you're 80 and over, amen, and, and you realize just simple mathematics is catching up with you, you're coming to the end of the road. By the way, the truth is, none of us really knows when the road ends, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth, Proverbs 27.1 tells us. For what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away, James 4 and 14 tells us. But I think that each one of us, as we come to the end, would want to hope that our life 
mattered. That in the grand scheme of life that I made a difference. So what is it that really matters? Well, if you ask the world, they will say money. Money is what really matters. They would also say perhaps lands, having property matters. Houses matter. Possessions matter. Many will say comfort matters. Health matters. Let's go there. You're in Matthew. Go over to the book of Luke, chapter number 12 with me. <clears throat> Let's read about somebody who had worldly priorities regarding what really matters. Verse number, it really begins in verse number 13 of the passage here. He says in verse 13, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. My, my running joke as a pastor is, if you have a little extra, leave it to the church and your kids won't fight over it. <laughs> you see, here's two brothers and one obviously had a double portion of inheritance and the other one felt he got the raw end of the deal. And he, he comes to Jesus and, and, <laughs> and says, tell him, to give me, tell him to give me some of that inheritance. I like what Jesus said. And he said unto him, man, who made me a judge and a divider over you? He's, in essence, Brother John, he said, this is none of my business. By the way, if you come to me and say, Pastor, I'm having trouble with my central air conditioning unit, I'm going to quote this verse to you. Who made me a judge and a divider? Who made me an air conditioning repairman in your life? <laughs> I don't know anything about that. It says, and he said unto them, Interesting, you could take the them as the two brothers or the crowd that was around. And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life, here's what really matters, consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be 
which thou hast provided, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. If you know this story, you know the rich man had plenty. It tells us in verse number 16 that the, his ground brought forth plentifully. But he was also full of pride, wasn't he? He says in verse 17, he thought within himself, What shall I do? I have no room to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater there. I will bestow all my fruits, my goods. I, 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 I. Can I ask you a question? Who gave him the rain that grew his crops? Who gave him the sunshine that made those crops grow? So we see the rich man's plenty. We see the, the, the rich man's pride. We see the rich man's presumption. Verse 19, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. I'll never forget years ago working with a precious lady named Winnie, Winifred Vieira. I love the name Winifred. That's an old name right there. You don't meet too many people named Winnie anymore. And I worked with a lady named Winifred Vieira, and Winifred was 80 years old, and she was still working. And she was in great health, Miss Kim. And when it was her 80th birthday, we had a special day, and I got her some flowers and was talking to her. And I said, uh, I said, Miss Winnie, what's the secret at 80? And she was sharp. She was a certification clerk. I mean, she, she looked at numbers and tables all day long. And she said this. She said, you have to stay active both mentally and physically. And every lunchtime, Winnie would walk. We were in a large uh, uh, building, and she would walk on the inside of the building for the first 15 minutes of lunch, and then she would sit down and eat her sandwich and soup and all that. And she said, and you have to stay active mentally. She said this, a lot of people just retire, sit in front of the TV, and die. This man was presumptuous. He, he said, hey, look, I've done all this. I think I'm just going to kick back and enjoy the next 25 years of my life. Be careful about that, Chris. By the way, nothing wrong with retiring. Nothing wrong with saving. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But be careful about presumption. You know what? You know what James says about it? He says, in, don't say I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Say this, if the Lord will then we'll do that. If you'll notice on uh, my Facebook pages uh, as, as we post each week about the service, I always say this, here's our service schedule, Lord willing. Because sometimes we had a power outage. And Brother Jeff, the Lord wasn't willing. But I said, if things go as planned, Lord willing. So we see his presumption, we see his pride, we see his plenty. We see his peril in verse 20. What happens? God said unto him, Thou fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? The old line is you can't take it with you. I remember yesterday, as a matter of fact, I... Uh, I went over to the library and they were doing 
Many of you know uh, old radio programs have been my hobby for years, and uh, they were doing a, uh, they have a group uh, in Jackson that uh, performs them. And it was really interesting to go over there and, and uh, see a, a reading of, uh, it was uh, uh, the, the old program, uh, Philip Marlowe and uh, the Bickersons. <laughs> and one of my favorites, of course, is Jack Benny. And of course, we all know how tight Jack Benny was with a, with a penny. And uh, they, they said one time, his butler said, uh, never in the history of the life insurance policy uh, has, has a policy been written this way. And Jack said, Do you, did you insist that I wanted that way? And he said, yes, but no matter what you say, you can't be your own beneficiary. He said, but I argued, and they said you could write it up that way. And he said, well, what'd they say do? He said, just send a forwarding address and they'll mail it on to you. Well, we all know that's not true, ladies and gentlemen, amen. You can't take it with you. And the, the truth is, I have watched all through the years of people fighting over the stuff once the person leaves. And forgive me, sometimes before the person leaves. How sad that you're, this person that you love is dying and you care more about divvying stuff up. So there's the rich man's plenty and pride and presumption and peril. And really it's a parable, isn't it? In verse 21. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Meanwhile, in Proverbs 13, 7, it says this. There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. What really matters? What really matters? Look with me back in the book of Matthew in chapter 6. and It's a great passage of Scripture. It really is. It's such a rich passage. It starts off with the secret life. Or we could say the private life. Who you really are all by yourself between you and God. It starts off there which says, Take heed that you, in chapter 6 verse 1, that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. You know, one of the things that I have, has been a byproduct of our COVID is the fact that we don't pass offering plates anymore. I don't think it was wrong to do that, not at all. But I like the fact that as you walk out, you see that blue do-it-right bucket back there, that Lowe's bucket, and you just drop it in and nobody knows, nobody really sees you doing it. You don't do it to be seen. I used to tell the, the staff, uh, not only our current staff, but uh, the, the previous staff, I would say, uh, make sure you have your offering with you on Sunday morning as the plates are going by. Don't do it to be seen, but people ought to see the staff giving. It's a fact. But I like the fact that it's just back there and you drop it in. I don't know who drops in what, 
I don't know who has been blessed in a certain way beyond others. I don't know. Uh, none, none of that. Amen. We just give. And so G- Jesus talks about here. He said, he said, let your giving be done in secret. And then he, he says in verse 3, he says uh, that when thou doest thine alms. By the way, he doesn't say if. <laughs> he says when. That means you should. When thou doest thine alms, let not the left hand know what the right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, that thy Father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. Give in secret. But then he not only he moves from giving, but then he moves to praying. And he says, in when thou prayest, again, we're talking on this Wednesday night series on prayer. I don't know about you, I, I many times feel like a failure in prayer. I, I feel defeated in my prayer life. I think, oh, I need to be more faithful in my prayer life. And by the way, it's part of the reason why I'm teaching and preaching that on Wednesday nights. Not just for you, but for me too. But you know what Jesus doesn't say here? He says, you know, now if you pray... What's he say in verse 5? He uses that word again. When thou prayest. The, the implication here is that a believer should pray. A believer will pray. He says, and when you pray, <clears throat> when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corner of the streets that they may be seen of men. Oh, he's going to call on me to pray. <clears throat> I'm going to get my theology ready. O oh God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, thou that flungest the stars into existence. And he just wants somebody to say, you pray so wonderful. I like Peter's prayer. Lord, save me! That's, that's my kind of praying right there. What does he say? He said, Verse 6, but when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in what? Secret. Thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. So he deals with the secret life concerning giving, the secret life concerning praying. Boy, here we go, verses 14 and 15. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. See, he was talking about prayer and he, he gave what's called the Lord's Prayer in verse number 9. And one of the most important parts of the Lord's Prayer is forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And it's not just talking about money. People that have offended you, people that have hurt you, they have incurred a debt to you. You know what he says you need to do in secret? Cancel the debt. Pray. Prayer. Yes. Giving. Yes. Forgiving. Forgiving. You know what forgiveness, Brother Hauser, really is? It's a, it's a secret matter. I'm going to forgive this person. I don't need to sound a trumpet about it. I need to go up to him and say, hey, by the way, remember in 1985 when you parked in my spot? I just forgave you. (laughs) Don't do that. 
You're not, you're not forgiving them. You're sounding a trumpet about what a great forgiver you are. About something very stupid. Forgive me, amen. <laughs> no. It's, you know what it is, Brother Talbert? It's a secret matter. Just, take, just deal with that in secret. They may not even know they ever offended you. Giving, praying, forgiving. Verse 16, chapter 6. Moreover, ooh, here we go. Fundamental Baptist, shots fired. When ye fast. When ye fast. Not if you fast, when you fast. You're like, I fasted for about an hour. Uh, it's not really the same, is it? When ye fast, when ye pray, when ye give your alms. Not if, when. What does he say? Be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. You see that dear brother and he's looking at you. And you say to them, are you okay? I'm fasting. <laughs> All I can think of, Brother Bryce, is our friend Ian Brown one time. Somebody, somebody said that to him. <laughs> and they said, I'm fasting. And, and Brother Ian Brown said, dude, what a waste. You just lost your reward. No, don't do the the real the real burden is when you fasted for a while, brother Lolly, and you're sitting there next to somebody, and all of a sudden your stomach lets them know that you've been fasting. Amen. What's that all about? Oh no, no, just uh, this or that, trying to slough it off. Amen. What does it say here? It says this. Listen, and 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 we ought to give. Heed to the secret life, ladies and gentlemen. It's not my message today. It's all introduction. I promise you, I'll get to the message. We want to give heed to the secret life because according to verse 32, we have a heavenly Father and He sees in secret. Now we can, we most times apply that to he sees the bad things that we do in secret and he certainly does. But I promise you this, he sees every good thing that we do in secret too. What really matters? I'll tell you what really matters. It's found in two passages Hold your place there in Matthew. We're coming back. Go with me to 2 Corinthians. Right turn. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And then we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3. What really matters? When we get done with our life, what will really matter? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. Are we there? Yep. Okay. 
Verse 17 tells us, and this is a good reminder for us as we go through difficulties, as we go through trials, as we go through particularly physical, emotional, mental torments and difficulties, which we all do in this old wicked world. We were mentioning in Sunday school, we're all looking forward to the sweet by and by, but we live in the nasty now and now. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. You say, no, it's not. I've, I've had this affliction for year after year after year. And one day, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to end and you're going to be in eternity for all forever. And that, that time of your affliction that now seems like forever is not going to be forever anymore. It says, but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding, and next word, church, eternal weight of glory, while we look not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, temporary, for just a little while. But the things which are not seen are what? Eternal. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I'll get to the points in chapter 6 here, Lord willing, of Matthew. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and verse 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, that if you're saved, you know, when we baptize people, we baptize them to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ as He's commanded, and we say, buried in the likeness of His death, and raised to walk in newness of life. Paul says to the church at Colossae, if you've been risen with Christ, if you've been saved, if you've been changed from the inside out by the Spirit of God, if you've been born again, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And then he says this. Here, here's what really matters. Here's how to make your life count. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Back to Matthew chapter 6. What really matters? Eternal things. Eternal things. Remember when God told us the the story, and he, and he uses a, just this teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 about the judgment seat of Christ. And one of the things he said is, he said, all our works are going to be tried by fire. And he said, we're all building a house, and, and, and some of us are building with wood, hay, and stubble. And some are building with gold, silver, and precious stones. I think if we were all honest, I think we would say all of us have built, Lord willing, with proud, or, or we, we would always want to say, oh, just gold, gold, silver, and precious stone. But I think if we were honest, we'd say at some point in our life, we've probably built with all of those things. Wood, hay, and stubble. But also some gold, silver, and precious stones. But then he says, all of that is going to be put in the fire. And can I say it this way, ladies and gentlemen? That which was temporal is going to be wood, hay, and stubble 
and it's going to burn up just like that. And we're going to be ashamed. We're going to be ashamed at the judgment seat of Christ. We're not, listen, when you and I as believers stand at the judgment seat of Christ, we will not stand for our sins. Jesus Christ has already stood for our sins. But we will stand for the way we lived our life, what we did with truth. And again, those of us that have tried to do something for the Lord, but maybe did it in the flesh, maybe did temporary, that burns right up and there's a pile of ashes right in front of us. And we think, I wish I'd lived my life for what mattered. But for those who set their affections on things above, live for the Lord, try their dead level best to please Him and live for eternal things, things that are going to matter for all eternity. That'll be gold, silver, and precious stones. And all the fire does to that is refine it. What really matters? Look at verse number 19 and see the command with me. Number one today, the command. Don't worry, number one. I know it's 1146 right now. I promise we'll move through this quickly. But see the command in verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. What's he say there? The command. Is it a sin to have wealth? It most certainly is not. It's not. Matter of fact, doesn't the Bible tell us in 1 Timothy 5.8, if any provide not for his own, he's worse than an infidel? Listen, I've told, tried to, to train my children. You, you need money to live. You need to work a job. You need to uh, improve your skill set, and you'll get more money. Or you can just stay at a minimum wage job your whole life. Huh? By the way, I tell my kids all the time, I don't know what you think about it, minimum wage was never meant to be a career choice. Amen. There's nothing, it's nothing wrong. The command here is not to not have wealth. But it's this. That wealth won't have you. Hmm? I was talking yesterday to Brother Jack Richard, and he, he told me, he said, I watch your service every week. He's a 92-year-old former pastor, was great friends with Phil Anthony, Miss Ruth Marie, Miss Pat. You may remember Jack Richard. He was in the hospital, just had a heart attack. Him and his wife, Zelma, been married 72 years. I was talking with him yesterday, and we was, he was just, I went there to be a blessing to him, but he was a blessing to me. We were talking about how preachers get messed up. You know, preachers, if there's two things that mess preachers up, it's women and money. Women and money. And uh, again, I'm not against you ladies, I love you, amen. But I still, I love my wife more than any other woman. That's the way it's supposed to be, amen. But we're talking about how preachers can get messed up with money. All of a sudden get their priorities out of whack start laying up for themselves all these treasures upon earth. Again, I'm not against you having a home. I'm not even against you having a, a, a winter place. Not at all. But the command is to lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. The key word there really are for yourselves. It's really it is. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 talks about, remember, there were those that stole. He said, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands that he may have to give to him that needeth. So that, that's wealth there. There's, 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 there's giving. The Bible talks about in Galatians 6.10 uh, that we ought to give uh, to every man as he have need, especially them that are of the household of faith. Be a blessing. Well, that takes money. I'm glad we support missionaries. You know what it takes? Money. So the command here is to, not, is to lay not up for yourselves treasures. But then you not only see the command, but we see the corruption of those treasures in verse 19. Where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. What do we see there? Anybody ever have a, got ready to pull something out of the closet, and you, all of a sudden you saw the moth had gotten to it? Oh my goodness, what happened? What happened? You know, for those who lay up treasures for themselves, there's a lot of spiritual moths out there that eat it up. Again, I, I'm, I'm not being unkind and I'm not being difficult. I, I, think, I, I think of those of you, bless your hearts, that have had your 401ks devastated in the last three years. Devastated. And again, I'm, I, there's nothing wrong with saving and all that kind of stuff. That's a, that's a way to do it. But if you're just trusting in that, you, you've seen the, the spiritual moth of inflation. Chew that up. So there's moth, there's marring. That's rust. Rust. You know, rust just eats things away over time. Things just rust out. Some of those treasures you're laying up for yourself, watch it. There's not enough silver saver in the world to protect from spiritual rust. And then there's not only moths and marring, but there's marauders, aren't there? Thieves break through and steal. You know, one of the saddest things, a couple of years ago, my mom realized that she had a pension from a company that she worked for. Didn't, even, didn't realize that she had it. She had forgotten about it just as we moved and all that. But the first thing that came to my mind, Brother Horrigan, was this is a scam. Because there are people that scam old ladies out of their money. Isn't that awful? Forgive me. I mean, what a. You have to be unsaved to go to hell, but what a hot place for those who, you know, destroy the savings of little ladies. There's marauders, aren't there? There's thieves. All earthly treasures, listen to me, all earthly treasures fade fail and fall into someone else's hands eventually. So there's the command, there's the corruption, there's the contrast in verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. All those who live for eternal things, others, souls. The only thing you can take to heaven with you is souls. So why not invest your money in things that lead to 
souls going to heaven. It's talking about here. It's talking about eternal things. You know, I, I just got a letter from one of our missionaries, one of our finest missionaries, a missionary we don't hear from very much. His name is Joe Marshall. Joe, Mar Joe and Cindy Marshall are wonderful missionaries. You know what they do? Brother Kinzer, they hand out scripture signs. That's, that's all, quote unquote, that's all. They, they, don't, they don't write letters that say, hey, we saw 350 people saved this year. They just sow the seed of the word of God, which is eternal. We're going to realize one day when we get to heaven and somebody says, you know, I had come to the end of my rope and I was getting ready to end it all. And I drove by somebody's house and on the scripture sign it said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting. See, that's what it is to live for eternal things. Living for eternal things is the church that helps Bible and literature missionary foundation. Brother Shannon Lamont, another one of our missionaries. You know what we do with our money for the Lamonts? We buy paper. You say, why? So they can print the Word of God on it. And then they can ship it all over the world. We support a missionary named Elias Correa with wings bearing precious seed. You know what Brother Correa does? He brings John and Romans and Bibles to different places all over the world to people that don't have it. You say, what is that? That's eternal things. Hey, I, again, I realize we live in the temporal. We need to get out. Listen, we need to get out there and vote. We need to get out there and promote righteous judges, and I understand all of that, but I tell you what, we can get a little imbalanced in that and forget about eternal things. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. I, I, I'm looking for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. The eternal city. The command, the corruption, the contrast... And then down and really down to verse 24, we could, we could look at the core, we could look at the center in verses 21, or verse 22, 23. The core is at verse 21. So we had the command, the corruption, the contrast, the core. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I mentioned old Jack Benny, probably the most recognized joke in the history of his varied career was as he was walking home he had uh, his neighbor's Oscar and he was bringing it home and this man asked him, he said uh, do you have a light? He said sure and he said stick him up and he said mister put down that gun he said come on your money or your life and there was a long pause that Jack Benny was known for in his comedy which made things funny and he paused and he said, the guy said, look, bud, I said your money or your life. He said, I'm thinking it over. That's the core of the issue, isn't it? 
Where your treasure is, there will your heart be all. For some people, their treasure is how much money they have. For other people, their treasure is already sent on ahead and is safe and secure in the bank of heaven. No moth, no rust, no thieves can do anything about it. Safest money I've ever invested is what I gave to the Lord. Fine. Literally, Brother Hutchins, the easiest rewards I've ever gotten. The easiest gold, silver, and precious stones that I've ever gotten were just by living for what really matters and giving to what really matters. Well, there's the command, there's the corruption, there's the contrast, there's the core. Do you live for self, silver, sons, or do you live for the Savior? And then lastly, there's the choice in verse 24. The command, the corruption, the contrast, the core. The choice in verse 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon money. So there's a solemn declaration there, isn't there? No man can serve two masters. What we always do is we always kind of excuse ourselves. Well, I can handle this, and, and this doesn't really apply to me. No, Jesus said right here, he cut it plain. No man, including you and I, can serve two masters. You're either going to prioritize one and deprioritize the other, or vice versa. So there's a solemn declaration. There's a singular devotion, isn't there? Jesus, I mean, you want to talk about plain language here. He says, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Again, hate, despise, that's strong. You know what he says in essence? If you live your life for money, and again, Please, read the scripture. I'm not not just being sensational here. I don't do that. He said, if you just live your life for money, you hate God. Come on. That's what he's saying. And it's hard for us to take that. That's a tough pill to swallow. If you're just living for money. See, but here's the thing. You can live your life for God and still have money in your life. Just don't live for money. I've joked before, you know, talking about, listen, we have needs, we have bills. I think about, I've talked before about my mortgage. Lord willing, I'm supposed to be 77 when my mortgage is finished. I don't know if I'm going to make it, amen, but, you know, the bill will still probably be there and I thought about all that stuff. But if I'm not careful, I can just get so consumed with all that stuff. I could say, you know what, I better stop giving to missions and put a little more money here and there and not live for eternal things. Don't do that. Why? Because when I get to heaven, it's not going to matter what my mortgage was. It is going to matter that I gave to missions and helped people get saved in other places of the world. The singular devotion. 
You either love one master and hate the other. And then there's the sacred division. You can't split them. You can't split them. You either love God or you love money. You can love God and still have money, but you can't love money and say you love God. What are you trying to say today, Pastor? Trying to say what really matters is living for eternal things. Say, why? That we would look at our own lives, reprioritize things, and say, you know what? It's not always about the money. I, I realize we need money to live. I know that. You know that. I'm talking about putting God in His proper place. And by the way, that's where this chapter would end, wouldn't it? Because it moves on here from Mammon to verses 25 through 31 of us worrying about all the little things of life. What does he say in verse 32, if you look at it there? After all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth you have need of these things. And then he gives us, he, he gives us the pattern. Not only the why, we have a heavenly Father, that's the why, but the what. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I can't tell you the times in my life where I've worried about silly temporal things and then afterwards, a little while, week, month, year, years, went like this, Brother Jeff. Oh, the energy I expended worrying over that. The older we get, the more we say, you know what, Heavenly Father, you've been providing for me all these years. As a matter of fact, you're the one in your word who said you provide for the birds. You ever thought about the food bill for all the birds of the world? They never have. They just know it's there every day. God puts it there. The flowers, the flowers are how beautiful they are. They didn't have anything to do with that. Their Heavenly Father did that for them. And here we are, chewing our fingernails about things. Hey, listen, live for eternal things and watch God take care of your temporal things. What does he say in verse 34? By the way, a great study uh, here in 25 through 34 is the word therefore and wherefore. Just keep It's there over and over and over. It keeps pointing back to God, to our Heavenly Father, to His provision. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. This is not against saving. This is not against planning for a rain. It's not talking about that. It's talking about excessive worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So listen, you're so busy borrowing trouble from tomorrow that you ruin today and you ruin tomorrow. Why worry when you can pray, trust Jesus, he'll be your stay. Don't be a doubting Thomas, trust fully in his promise. Why worry, 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 worry when you can pray? Live for eternal things. 
because that's what really matters. Father, we love you. Thank you.